Section 17 of The Wounded Name by D. K. Bronster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Eileen. Chapter 6, Part 4. 7. About two o'clock, he was sitting at the rough table, trying to work out a map from memory, all his effects having been lost at the bridge, when he heard something like an altercation at the door. The next moment it opened to admit a man who shut it behind him and stood facing him without a word. A lean, tallish man of about thirty-five, hard-featured and blue-eyed and bareheaded, save for a bandage round his forehead. Amar stared at him, amazed almost beyond speech. Oh, good God! De Fresne! And then you were not... I escaped, a careless sentry. No, not killed, if that is what you mean. And did you think I was? Amar's head swam for a moment. He was unfeignedly glad, but with de Fresne he would probably have to have the matter out. He sprang up, holding out his hand. How oh, need I say what I feel? But you are hurt. Nothing much. I was stunned for a time. And then, glancing at his leader's outstretched hand, the second in command looked him in the face. I can take your hand, La Cochetterie, and can you take mine? The red ran over Amag's features from chin to brow, and, ebbing, left him very pale. He dropped his hand. What have you heard? Still looking at him very hard, de Fresne put a hand inside his coat. I've seen something, something I would almost give my eyes not to have seen, my own letter in the hands of the enemy. But since, in spite of it, I find you here with the men, cannot I hope that there's some mistake about it, and that it was stolen, lost, mislaid, perhaps, and that you did not deliberately send it to Colonel Richard, as he says you did. There was entreaty and pain in the harsh voice, and a loophole in what it said. No. I would rather not lie to you, de Fresne, answered Loiseleur. I did send your letter to Colonel Richard. I will tell you why. If you please, said the other stiffly. You will pardon me if I sit down. And he walked past them to the table. I'm sorry I have no wine to offer you, said Aymar. When did you last have food? I need nothing, thank you. He had spread out the letter on the table and sat back, rather haggard under his bandage. Aymar came and sat down opposite him. How did you get the letter back? he asked quietly. Colonel Richard had me in when I was recovered, and asked me if I had really written it, and if I thought you had really sent it. I said that was inconceivable, until I, till I saw the deciphered passages and recognized your writing. On that I said it must have been stolen from you, and I asked for it, and Richard let me have it. Was glad, I think, to be rid of it, as if it soiled his fingers. And when I escaped... For God's sake, La Cochetterie, be quick and explain the business. It's quite simple, answered Aymar with dry lips. I took a risk which I now see that I ought never to have taken. And, after a moment's preparation, he embarked on the story, 
leaving out all reference to Madame de Villecresne, and making it appear that he had sent the letter purely as part of a ruse, as he so nearly had done. To avow, with the blood scarcely dry on the stones of pont au Rocher, and that he had sent it to save her, was more than he could bring himself to do. It would be dishonouring her. Yet he knew that the suppression was hazardous. And that is the explanation, said Defresne slowly at the end. That is why I find my letter in the enemy's possession, and why there has been this horrible disaster. Merely because you were tempted to bring off a coup. And that is all you have to tell me. Yes, that is all, said Aymar with a slight shade of hauteur. De Fresnet suddenly pushed away his chair and rose, went to the little unglazed window and looked out, and then came back and flung himself down again. Aymar watched him, sick at heart. He knew, or else he disbelieved. But there's more, the elder man jerked out. There is more, you know it. Why do you keep back half, you whom I've never known to lie, when I want so much to believe you? What about that bargain with Colonel Richard? I've not said anything about a bargain. Oh, exactly, and that is what I complain of, because Colonel Richard did. For the second time, Aymar turned white. What did he tell you? Oh, merely that, that you sent the letter as part of a bargain struck with him. He did not specify what the compact was. But how could any compact with the enemy be honourable? You tell me the whole thing was a ruse, and perhaps the bargain was part of the ruse, then. A mere pretext to make them swallow the bait. If so, of course. He looked at him questioningly. And Loiselard sat silent, very pale, staring at the knots in the rough table. Since, miracle of mercy, Colonel Richard had held his tongue as to the nature of the bargain, and since, in the event, and though not in intention, and the bargain had proved a farce, no bargain at all, how easy to say so. But he had enough on his soul. He shook his head. And you will not tell me what it is, asked de Fresne. No, but there was nothing dishonourable in it. I got nothing. But here he stopped. Then who did? There must be two parties to a bargain. Is there anyone in the world, La Rochetterie, for whom you ought to sacrifice four hundred men and your own honour? Aymar winced. I've told you, de Fresne, he said rather hotly, and that the last idea in my mind was the possibility of my men's being victims. Have I shown myself so careless of them in the past? De Fresne shook his bandaged head. Oh, it looks very bad. If you refuse to say what the bargain was, it will certainly be thought to be a dishonorable one. I cannot help what people think. And, pardon me for referring to it, I have a certain reputation. Yes, agreed the older man. Yes, that is the tragedy of it. He put his hands up to his head and sighed. Such an unheard of thing to send a letter with vital information straight to the enemy. You've offered me an explanation which I do not doubt is true, as far as it goes, but which has the most important factor left out. 
How can you expect it to satisfy me? My opinion, you will perhaps retort, is not of much account, but you must recognize yourself, La Gauchetiki, that you are in a horrible position. This story will be all over Brittany in a few days, for all Richard's officers know that you've sent the letter. Well, what steps are you going to take about it? None, replied Loiseleur, leaning his head on his hand. De Fresnet stared at him, frowning. I do not think that you're taking this business seriously enough. And at that, Aymar raised his head and laughed. Yes, if not having had any sleep for two nights, if thinking about it every moment of the twenty-four hours, and having only this morning finally made up my mind not to blow my brains out, is not taking it seriously, and then I'm not doing so. I'm sorry, said his lieutenant briefly. Do you intend, then, just to go on and disregard what will be said? I thought I would try that, replied A. Mac, leaning back in his chair and suddenly looking very young and tired. I would rather tell the men, but it could do no good, and I think I ought to pull the remnant together and keep the enemy's communications cut a little longer. You see, after all, I'm not entirely bought by the imperialists. Oh, I never said you were, retorted de Fresne gruffly. But I think that you will find yourself obliged to take some definite step. May I say what I think you ought to do? The young man nodded. Give up your command for the time. Go to Sol de Quesol and ask for a military inquiry so that you can justify yourself. Oh, give up my command. Have myself put under arrest, exclaimed Loiseleur. No, certainly not. He looked at the giver of this unwelcome advice a moment and added, May I ask what you mean by ought? That it would be to my advantage, or that you conceive it to be my duty? Both, answered de Fresne with brevity. Aymar's eyes flashed dangerously. Are you going to teach me? He began, and then, with a great effort, stopped himself. Tell me. Have you communicated any of your knowledge to the men? No, of course I've not, except for some necessary converse with them, in which I learned that you were here, and for trying to assuage a certain excitement that there was over my reappearance, I came straight to you. You are aware, no doubt, that they are out of hand. Very well aware. And yet you suggest that I should vacate my command. It would not, I admit, be a happy moment to succeed you, La Rochetterie, even temporarily. But I will take the command, if you offer it me. Aymar sprang to his feet. Monsieur de Fresne, this is a little too strong. I gave you leave to advise me, not to dictate to me. Don't quarrel with me, La Rochetterie. Believe me, I don't want to. And de Fresne's tone showed it. Won't you do it? he asked again after a pause. It is the only profitable step that you can take. And for an instant or two, as well as his wearied brain would let him, the young man did weigh the proposal. But he had just, with no small effort, screwed himself up to quite another course. This course would involve having the core of the business dragged out into the light of day, 
the unveiling of a voice unconscious share in the disaster, the bandying about of her name, her relations to him. I'm sure that you're advising me to the best of your ability, de Fresne, he said more gently. And I beg your pardon if I was rather short with you just now. For heaven knows, it would be a thankless task you would take up. But I cannot do what you ask. Nicolas de Fresne sat for a moment without moving, and then he got to his feet with a sigh. Very well, he said. He looked down at his left side. My sword is in the enemy's hands, so I'm unable to ask you to accept it, save figuratively. Amar stepped backwards, as if he had been struck. Oh, I cannot do anything else, said de Fresne, looking at the hot wall beyond him. You are resigning, because I will not, if you like to put it that way. And then you, you do think that ugly thing of me, de Fresne. Don't you know me? And don't you know my family history? You, who have fought with me, and know what memories I carry. You think I could betray my dead? I cannot reconcile it with my sense of honor, replied de Fresne, standing up very stiff. The stiffer, no doubt, that he was moved by the agony and the appeal. That you refuse to take the obvious method of clearing your name. I do not say that I think you a traitor, for, as you say... I know you. But, painful as it is, I must ask you to excuse you from serving under you any longer. Save for the sweep of a pine branch over the roof, the silence was then absolute. In that silence, Aymar put his left hand on his sword, and very slowly his head went down on his breast. When he lifted it, his mouth was set, his eyes very bright. I hope my sense of honor is not less keen than yours, Monsieur de Fresne, he said quietly. I must beg to refuse your sword. I will ask you, instead, to accept mine. And, unfastening it, sheath and all, he laid it on the table with the hilt towards his second in command. 8. Does that not satisfy you? asked Aymar after a moment. Oh, I cannot do more. De Fresne woke from what seemed a stupor. You've done too much, and take it back. I never meant that. I have no right to demand your sword, and take it and put it into the general's hands. His leader gave a little smile. I'd just as soon surrender it to you, and you have none yourself now. But perhaps you would rather not wear mine. De Fresne looked from the sheathed blade on the table to its owner, and abruptly held out his hand. But Aymar shook his head. No, not yet. Afterwards, if you like. And now, how are you going to account to the men for my departure? You will have to say something yourself, I think, Loiseleur. Oh, my God, how I hate doing this. Aymar had sat down again. Let me put you in possession of certain facts before I leave you, he said composedly. First, about Dutremblay. Of course I, you, cannot support him now. I sent de Solange to him on Saturday morning with the news, but you must know nevertheless what his plans are. I believe I've not yet destroyed the cipher notes I made at her interview. He searched in a pocket. No, here they are, and I can leave them with you as a memorandum. 
I put them into cipher, because secrecy as to his real intention is all important. You see that on Friday next he proposes to move along the Aven in such a way as to deceive the Bonapartists into thinking that he means to cross. But he will not cross. His real objective is Chalet, which, having caused the enemy to concentrate, as he hopes, on the wrong side of the river, he calculates on carrying by a coup de main. Meanwhile, what's that? He sprang up, thrusting the paper back into his pocket, for there'd come a sudden rush of feet and of excited voices outside, and an unprecedented thing. The hut door was abruptly flung wide, revealing two or three of the appareils. And for a second, Loiselac stood amazed. The next, he strode forward. And what is the meaning of this? Who told you to come here? A confused babel from outside answered him. All his remaining men appeared to be there, and among them, of course, the towering form of Magloire Le Bihan. But he seemed to be trying to keep the crowd back. If you have a spokesman, I will hear you, said Aymar, frowning. Otherwise, leave my quarters at once. One of the foremost invaders, advancing a little over the threshold, thereupon threw out a hand towards de Fresne and said meaningly, well, Perhaps he can explain what happened at Pont de Rocher. And instantly, other voices took him up. He knows who the traitor was. Loiseleur, make him tell us. A swift glance passed between Aymar and his subordinate. It was seen and misunderstood. A roar went up. Her comrades, it was Monsieur de Fresne himself, and Loiselog knows it. More Chouan began to crowd in, threateningly. The narrow doorway was blocked. Very angry, Aymar advanced on the invaders. Leave my quarters at once, men, he said imperiously. No, Monsieur de Fresne is no traitor. Far from it. And there has been no treachery in this business, only a mistake. The Epervier retreated a little from before him, but the hut was not cleared. A mistake, mistake, the word was flung about. A mistake that needs atoning for. Monsieur de Fresnes, then. Let Monsieur de Fresnes explain why he led us into an ambush. Aye, and let him explain why he moved us out of the wood here, while Loiselag was away. Monsieur de Fresnes has nothing to account for, cried his leader hotly. And if he had... He accounts for it to me and not to you. Loiselag knows that it is Monsieur de Fresne, repeated the originator of this idea stubbornly. That was why he came riding all that way to warn us. Let Monsieur de Fresne come out and answer for himself. They were horribly tenacious when once they had got an idea into their heads. Aymar knew that well. And this most fallacious notion must be dispelled at all costs. A little behind him, his arms folded, and de Fresnet was now facing the intruders with a slightly ironical expression. The men pushed forward once more. Give us up Monsieur de Fresne, Monsieur de la Rochetterie. Let him come out and explain to us. And all at once a perfect howl went up. What is that paper he's putting into his coat? For the elder man, suddenly remembering the incriminating letter, lying on the table behind him, had turned his back and was now thrusting it into his breast. "'Go out of this place!' exclaimed Loiselag. He laid a hand on his pistol. 
I will shoot the first man who stirs another step. Go outside, all of you. They surged back a little. May I speak to you, sir? inquired Magloire from his place in the rear. Aymar could not but motion him to come forward. After all, he was an officer and had certainly not been inciting the rest. At this moment, anyhow. The giant came, saluting. I told you, Monsieur le Vicomte, he said in a low voice, that they were crazy about this idea of treachery. And now, if there's going to be a mystery, there will be no holding them. Why is Monsieur de Fresne hiding that paper? There'll be violence if you can't explain. Yes, de Fresne was hiding a paper. To save him. It was his doing that his lieutenant was in this utterly false position. What must he be thinking? Intolerably nettled, Aymar acted on the first impulse that came to him, a thing he was always too prone to do when the risk was his alone. You are right, he replied, and there shall be no mystery. I will show you myself what is in that letter, and then you will know that Monsieur de Fresne is perfectly innocent in the matter of pont aux Monsieur de Fresne, give me that letter. You shall have it back. De Fresne turned round, appalled. La cocheterie, don't do it, he whispered. They will not touch me. Don't show it them, for God's sake. His words, for all that he had dropped his voice, were audible in the stillness which had now descended. And they produced, not unnaturally, a tenfold stronger impression of his own guilt than before. Something like an ugly rush would have taken place towards him, but that the doorway was so narrow, and that Loiseleur, springing between him and the assailants, drew a pistol and cocked it. The wave, in consequence, swayed back again. Give me the letter, de Fresne, he repeated over his shoulder. No, no, it's too dangerous. <laughs> dangerous? At least, then, it shall be dangerous to the right person. Give me the letter and, the pistol in his right hand directed at his followers, Aymar held out his left. Oh, God forgive me, said de Fresne. The letter changed hands. Aymar replaced the pistol and advanced to the door, and, seeing that he was really coming outside, the men huddled hastily into the sunshine. Aymar followed them. Which of you can read? he asked, looking round. You, Gouven, and you, Hervé Le Bihan. Come here, then. You see this letter, which is from Monsieur de Fresne himself. There is his name at the end. And that it is to tell me, as was his duty, of the move he was going to make over the bridge. You can read that, eh? Well, that is all. That is the paper which you foolishly think he was trying to hide. He kept the letter in his own hands, while bending over it, on either side, with grunts and efforts, the two men laboriously went through its contents, repeating the words aloud, unperturbed by the deciphered passage. And Aymar looked over their heads at the rest, and wondered what was going to happen next. To hold them in rein now needed a tight grip, and he was very tired and more than heartsick. Well, are you satisfied? he asked patiently. Yes said Gouvern slowly, and that is what Monsieur de Fresne did. He took us to this place, the bridge of pont au 
But why did he write it down so that the blues knew it? I tell you, said the young man, not patiently this time, and that he wrote it to me while I was away so that I should know it. And as they bent their heads once more and tried to peer at the address on the other side, he added, You can see for yourselves that it was sent to me at Sessini, and turned over the letter. As he did so, de Fresne, behind him, made unseen a gesture of desperation, and Aymar himself turned cold, as he saw, on the top left-hand corner of the reverse, a bold endorsement in another hand than de Fresne's, sent to me by the Vicomte de la Rochetterie, called Loiseleur, on the night of April 27th, 1815, a Richard. He shifted his hold of the paper like lightning, so that his left hand covered that corner instead of the lower, but even so the signature was visible. Perhaps the slow minds of his followers would not grasp its meaning. And there, Egvi, he said carelessly, managing to master the swift impulse to snatch the whole thing quickly away. You see that this was really sent to me. And he was on the point of folding up the letter when a hand fell on his left wrist. It was Magloire's. He had been looking over the shoulder of his cousin, Agvi. Wait a moment, Loiselard, he said coolly. What is Colonel Richard's name doing on the outside of this letter, then? Amag's blood leapt up at the presumption of the grasp and the tone. He looked at Magloire with such fire that the giant, muttering, who I beg your pardon, recoiled. And Amag, clutching at the first excuse that came into his head, said haughtily as he folded up the paper, Monsieur de Fresne has been a prisoner. It is quite natural that Colonel Richard should have examined his papers. As acting, his composed demeanor was excellent, but the excuse he had given was, as he instantly recognized, not so happy. It was admitting that de Fresne had had the letter in his possession again. And as a result, the man Gouven, evidently bewildered, remarked, Oh, but that letter could not have been among his papers, Monsieur le Vicomte. He sent it to you, you said so. You had not sent it to him. No, not to him, broke in Magloire significantly. And thrusting aside the man between them, he faced his young leader. And there was something else written in the corner, Loiselard. Your hand was over it, and let us see that. He had thrown aside the scabbard. It was a war. But before Aymar could say anything, de Fresne, pushing forward, exclaimed quickly, What Colonel Richard wrote on my papers only concerns me. Give me my letter back, please, La Rochetterie. Instantly the dull and tenacious suspicions of that crowd were rekindled. No, no, Monsieur de Fresne wants to hide it, was shouted, and the words ambush, treachery, began once more to fly about. But Magloire Le Bihan was unmoved by them and simply repeated his request a little more threateningly. Will you let us see what is written on that letter, Monsieur le Vicomte, or must we take it from you? Oh, take it from me, exclaimed Aymar at boiling pitch. Take it. Then he suddenly stopped. There was a tense pause. 
under the wide-brimmed hats with the pendant ribbons, the eyes of all those eager, saturnine faces were fixed on him. Should he tear the letter up? No, they would seize the fragments, and the very action would be a confession of guilt. He stood on the edge of an unimagined precipice, better to leap in than be pushed. Very well, he said contemptuously. You can see it, and make what you can of it. He held out the letter to Magloire, half turned his back on him, and folded his arms. Almost instantly, Magloire smote the letter and burst into a hoarse laugh. Listen, Legac, what is written on this letter, what Loiselard was trying to hide. And slowly, clearly, he read out the endorsement, read it twice. Sent to me by the Vicomte de la Rochetterie, called Loiselard, on the night of April 27th, 1815, A. Richard. But his hearers were so puzzled that they merely gaped in silence. You must be fools if you don't understand, shouted Magloire, brandishing the letter. It is not Monsieur de Fresne at all. It is Loiselard himself who has betrayed us. Loiselard who sent this with his own hands to the Blues, to tell them that we should be at pont au last Friday morning and took care not to be there himself. Aymar leapt forward. How dare you, he began, but his words were drowned in uproar. Oh, it's not true, Magloire. He came to warn us. Loiselard, say it's not true. That brief monosyllable was hurtling about like a missile as he braced himself to meet the crucial moment with the knowledge that his hold was slipping, slipping but there was no hesitation in the way he faced the questioners. It is quite true, men, he said steadily, that I sent the letter to Colonel Richard, but the doing so was part of a plan for... He got no further, for the simple reason that he could not make himself heard above Magloire's triumphant bellowing. There was nothing for it but to shoot him out of hand. He drew his pistol, cocked it, and shouting, I will give you three seconds to stop that noise, leveled it at the mutineer. Almost immediately his pistol arm was seized. Furious, and as surprised as furious, Aymar turned on his assailant to find that it was Hervé, Magloire's cousin. I'll let go my arm instantly. He almost succeeded in freeing it, but in the struggle he lost his pistol. At the moment it was dragged from his hold, the hammer fell, and a man near clapped his hand to his arm with a scream. Next second, Magloire himself had seized his leader's other arm and laid a powerful hand on his shoulder. How he will shoot us all if we are not careful, he shouted. For an instant longer, Aymar threw every ounce of his strength into the endeavor to throw off the double grasp. But Magloire only laughed. Even Loiselard, no weakling, was but a child in his hold. Aymar ceased struggling. If it was useless, it was a mistake. But Le Bihan was going too fast for the majority. Out of the clamor came cries, almost terrified cries, of, oh, Don't touch him! Let him go, Magloire! It will be the worse for you! He has the Chartier! The Chartier, Magloire! Let him go! and the rebel was obviously taken aback for a moment. 
he had forgotten to reckon with a superstition which he did not share. For one instant hope flared up in his captive's brain and died as quickly. Deliverance would never come on that score. How has he got it? yelled Magloire, his eyes on the young man's face. How has he got it? And the luck would never stay with a traitor. A quiver went through Loiseleur from head to foot. No, he must have it, cried the bewildered voices. He always wears it. Show it to us, Loiseleur. Amag, white to the lips, retorted. I shall show you nothing of the sort till Magloire Le Bihan is shot for insubordination. We need not wait for any conditions of that kind, sneered Magloire. I will show you, since Loiselag is so reluctant. And before Amag guessed what he was about, he had drawn his hunting knife and inserted it under his left sleeve. Less because of what that action must inevitably bring to light, than because it was so intolerable to him to be held as he was and subjected to search, Amag did once more try violently, for a second or two, to withdraw his arm from the iron grip. It was scarcely, therefore, Le Bihan's fault that the two-edged hunting knife cut rather more than it was intended to do. An instant later, Magloire's powerful hands had made short work of the seams of coat and shirt alike. These were ripped asunder to the shoulder, and he was gazing delightedly at the bare arm he held captive. He laughed. To him, as to Loiselag himself, the amulet was a farce to overawe children, but the life of him who once wore it might be hanging, for all that, on the absence of that frail circlet of rushes. Aimar had never given the Chartier a thought, since it had broken in that blossom-laden place, which had witnessed alike his brief moments of happiness and the beginning of this black hour. But now, was that going to undo him in the end? The foolish, half-fraudulent charm he had thought he need wear no longer. He was for a moment barely conscious that Magloire was holding his naked arm upwards at full stretch, so that all could see the talisman was gone. Moreover, down that arm was now running a thread of crimson, blood like any other man's. Loiseleur, of the charmed life, was no longer invulnerable, and naturally, since he no longer wore the charm. The effect of the double revelation on those superstitious minds was paralyzing, and the Apacvier began to huddle away in silence from the leader who had been so lucky because he wore the amulet, and who, by the same reasoning, was a definite source of ill luck because he wore it no longer. The Chartier had left him, and therefore anything was possible. And it was May Day when much magic was abroad. Magloire read all this in the fierce, frightened faces. He nodded across to Arvé, made a sign, and his own immediate partisans closed round, so that the giant was able to let another man take his place and be free to direct the course of what he had at last accomplished. Aimag suffered the change of guardianship without protest. What was the use of fighting the situation any longer? If his men his own men, could turn against him like this. Yet 
Evanot would have been dead at his feet before a finger could have been laid on his leader. But he himself had sent Evanot to death. Out of the bad dream that it had all become now, he heard only de Fresne's voice, hot and incisive. Monsieur de la Cocheterie is my prisoner, men. He has already given up his sword to me, and he will answer for any mistake that he has made to... No, broke in Magloire still more incisively. He is ours, and he will answer to us, Monsieur de Fresne. Take him down to the clearing, and gag. We can go into this matter better there. End of section 17